God, dig that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, repeat after me. Sabrina's Dirty Deeds. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sabrina. Hello, Jamie. Good to see you. You too. It's, uh, it's been only been a week since I, I last saw you. I know. We went a few months. We did. <laughs> And then we, we saw each other and we can't get enough. We're I back. know. We've just gone, let's go hard on getting people that are really interesting to talk to. Yeah. Uh, and this one, I reckon, is really interesting today. I'm excited by this because, you know, I'm a big I'm a big pet guy, mm. particularly dogs. I know. I Lots love, of people love dogs. Love my doggo, Hank. I love coming here and seeing your dog, Tilly. Mm. Mm. Um, and today we're speaking with, with Dr. Claire Middle, who, uh, really interesting, she's written a book, Real Food for Dogs and Cats, and I reckon it's something we all struggle with a little bit. What should I be feeding my dog? Mm. You know, am I doing the right thing? Mm. It can be a little bit confusing, and we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some stuff that we can grow to feed our pets as well. Yeah, and um, so welcome, Claire, to our uh, to our podcast. Um, I, I I think that uh, I think it's the most commonly uh, asked question is is it okay to feed my dog real food or can my cat actually have raw chicken and do I give it biscuits or not? So thankfully you've written a book on it. Yeah, and it's just like pet food. It's, you know, it shouldn't be that hard. But yeah, I've got a complicated. So yeah, hopefully I've been able to just simplify it a bit. So, so what prompted you to write this book? Is it because it's one of the most commonly asked questions as a vet? Um, I just morphed into it, really. I mean, I graduated in 1979. I was in the first lot of students from Murdoch. Wow, yeah. Um, and we weren't taught much about diet, but then again, like humans didn't think of their diet much either, did mm. they? It wasn't really a thing. You know, so, um, and, and as the years went by and I was in small animal practice, I, d- I noticed that animals on, you know, nice fresh food generally did better. You know, they were healthier. Yeah. And or some particularly skin conditions which are common, you know, just improved if they were, animals were put from a process to an actual diet. So I started talking to people about it and it's actually t- quite time-consuming <laughs> in a consult talking about diet. So yeah. I thought, I'll make this a bit quicker. I'll make this uh, – I just uh, wrote a, an A4 – brochure like folded in three and it was called natural diet for dogs and cats so I just wrote down the basics you know with a few references on it and I gave it out to people and as the years went by I would have printed tens of thousands of those brochures wow. you know like it was so useful which my clients people grabbed handfuls and gave them to their friends and I even had people phoning saying oh I put my itchy dog on your diet and it's great now and you know had they and then even not taken to a vet so um it just yeah and and then as the years went by, I added more information and it wouldn't fit on an A4. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went bushwalking with my bushwalking friends. One, we do a week of been track each year. And on the second day, I did my knee in quite badly. And so I went back to the chalet we were staying in and I thought, oh, what is it? So, and I thought, oh, I'm going to write the book. So I just sat there for five days and wrote the book. Oh, fantastic. It's a brain dump, as authors call it. Um, so, and, and then, like, the, the longer part was to fine-tune it and reference it and make it neater. But, you know, so, um, I'd, yeah, it's just like I, I thought, mm, I think I need to write a book. And my friend said to me, you need to write a book. And I said to him, what? <laughs> you know, Speaking you know. of which, I have. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so, well, that was before I wrote it. But, yeah, so so I and, – and then I self-published um, it. So yeah. I just got the local printer down the road to, um, you know, run off some copies. And, and then they sold really quickly, so I did some more. And I sent one to Fremantle Press and just 
various people in case they were interested. And a few months later, Fremantle Press said, oh, you know, we're happy to publish your book, and which was great, you know, so they sort of published it properly. <laughs> and, yeah. and that was, so I wrote it 2006. In 2008, Freer Press published it. And it's it's just sold steadily. You know, it's really useful for me. Mm. You know, I, you know um, it just saves me time. It's more information to people. I think it's a little bit easier to read than some of the books on the market. I mean, that was really why I wrote it too, because it's a fairly straightforward read. You know, because a lot of people haven't got a lot of time to read about pet food. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's just been useful. In, and, and recently, Fremantle Press have just updated it a bit. They put, we updated the references, and they said that it's trendy to have a photographic cover. So, we've got <laughs> a cover with a, you know, nice cat and dog on, and, you know, which is great. So, they, yeah. I thought they were emailing me to say, sorry, your book's not selling enough. And it, was, and, and it was like, yay, we're going to do a new edition. And I yeah. thought, oh, God. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's all good. So obviously, people can go to the book to, to get a real detailed look at this, but it'd be good to talk about a, a couple of those tips and, and some advice that you might have for people with their pets. But if you're looking at moving your dog or your cat from maybe being on biscuits and things like that, more traditional pet food, into a real food diet, where do you, where do you start? What do you need to know before you kind of dig into that journey? So, I mean, I normally say to people, just add one thing at a time. You know, because then, then you know um, the dog or the cat likes it. Um, you know, it's not going to upset their tummy and, you know, whatever, you know. So, and that, that just makes it easy and logical and spread over a period of time. Um, so, normally about two or three weeks is sort of an average time, I guess, to swap over. Um, and, um, yeah, there's a actually someone did research on Scottish terriers who have a very high incidence of bladder cancer. And they found that if you just chuck a handful of fresh food onto processed food, Scottish Terriers have almost an 80% reduced chance of bladder wow. cancer. So, so when we were talking the food, exactly what sort of food are you talking about, Claire? So what we want to do is feed animals what nature intended them to eat. And, I mean, it's actually interesting that cats and dogs, domestic dogs and cats, still actually escape and breed in the wild and do too well you know we know that mm. cats kill wildlife and dogs in Queensland are becoming a problem for farmers and they have to go and shoot and their domestic dogs that have gone wild so you know like they do well thanks very much on the natural diet still mm. you know mm. I mean they've been on in fact like cats have been going two million years dogs have been going hundred thousand years you know just and, and even way back then they start eating scraps from Neanderthal campsites and you know so it's been a very very long time they've been on natural food and really the last few hundred years is a mere hiccup in history. They've been on processed food. Yeah. Or, yeah, so, so I mean, most, but, I mean, and there are exceptions. So animals with, you know, little short noses like, you know, Persian cats and pugs and, you know, they can't chew bones as easily as animals that look like a fox or a wolf, you know, so that's the ideal shape for a dog, mm. you know, to have that long nose. They can manage a natural diet the best. Yeah. Um, so when you so, say a natural diet, are you talking about raw meat and raw bones and raw vegetables? And is is that what you're is that that what you're calling natural food? Yeah. So um, we, we so if you look at what cats eat, they eat a mouse or a rat or a rabbit or a lizard or um, so you just try and make that into food that you can get down the road from your shop, you know, in a city. So you can't get live from the IGA. So, no, no, they don't. They don't. They, they, they only if they're running across the shelves, and that's probably not such a good look. 
that's right. So we just try and add it. And, and I mean, pet food companies, uh, sorry, pet, pet, pet food organisations have done a very good job of working out exactly what nutrients dogs and cats need in their diet. So, you know, like I use the USA National Research Council dog and cat nutrition guidelines, for example, so then you can work out exactly what they need. So you, so you would have some raw meat, um, you would have bone, um, you can mince it, it can be whole, great toothbrush if you give it whole. Um, they would eat, be eating some organ meat, you know, so heart, liver, kidney have valuable nutrients, in particular liver uh, mainly. Um, cats have to have heart because they have to have taurine, you know, they can't make it like dogs do. Um, they would be eating the animal's gut contents in the wild, you know, so mm -hmm. the, the cat would be eating, um, you know, rabbit's gut contents or a mouse's, and the dog would be ditto. Um, so that's uh, like a green leaf smoothie, if you like, you know, you can put some berries and green leaves and fruit and veg and blend it up and, and that looks like wonderful, rat, you know, rabbit gut contents. <laughs> um, so then you can do a bit of fish or fish oil, you know, because wild caught meat has more omega-3 than what's in your supermarket up the road. Yeah. So just add a bit of omega-3. Yep. Um, and you can go super flash. You can give some prebiotic fibre, so you can do a bit of chia seed in your smoothie or flaxseed meal and that adds the fibre that would be the hair and the skin, of, you know, on, on the whole animal. You know, which yeah, because I, I was thinking about that, Claire. You know, when you look at what cats and dogs eat in the wild, it is the whole lot, isn't it? It's the fur and the skin and all the bone. Yeah. and Yeah, but you can do a pretty – well, I mean, some people do that. You know, if they live on a farm, great, you know, but most people don't. Mm. So you can, you, can pro, you can add it up scientifically in the food that comes from the supermarket, you know, and it's fine. That's a great job. So – and I, I mean, obviously, that's a bit of mucking around and not everyone wants to do that, you know, but there are quite a lot of products now which are called a BARF, which stands for Biologically Appropriate Raw Food. So you can just get that from the freezer from your local pet shop, yep. you know, so, so you buy bath and that's got um, bone and meat and heart and liver and kidney and fish oil and blended greens and berries and a few bits and pieces. And, you know, so that's a balanced diet then. And you just keep it in your freezer and yep. defrost. And so I, I, I guess it's the same with humans, isn't it? I mean, the more processed food that we eat, the, the worse our health gets. So it makes sense that it would exactly. be exactly the same for dogs, cats, chickens, you know whatever animal Absolutely. that you've got. Yeah, everyone, yeah, exactly, that's it. Yeah. Mm. So, Claire, I, I, um, I know that my uh, daughter has had a lot of problems with she's got a poodle cross Aussie shepherd dog that was sick basically from the moment she got it, um, which has been great for the vet around the corner. But... Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, it turned out that that dog is allergic to protein. For for people that have got dogs that have really strange, which is odd because it's a dog, um, mm -hmm. odd ailments like that, it seems to be the vets were saying that it's a bit more prevalent now that you're getting dogs with all sorts of reactions to different food and immune mm. autoimmune problems do you see that this is occurring more often oh definitely as it is for people yeah so i mean unfortunately we're just exposed to so much chemical you know and i mean particularly chicken and beef they're common allergens but i mean i think often it's because of the chemicals in caged chickens and you know grain fed mm. beef and and that molecular mimicry makes the body allergic to the protein when the chemicals there that the right. body doesn't want you know so um that's yeah so so um we can 
you can actually do vegetarian diets for dogs. So right. I've got thing, yeah, but um, it's yeah, it's just the state of the world at the moment, isn't it? You know, so yeah. many chemicals around. Yeah. Um, a lot of those pups, you know, they might have a bit of an adverse reaction to their vaccination if they're not very chemical, um, you know, tolerant, and mm. they then they're stressed because they're moved and they've lost their mother and their diet's changed, and so you can end up with leaky bowel syndrome, you know, right. inflammatory disease, just yep. like with people. Um, and they and the molecules actually leak through the inflamed bowel, and there's a huge big reaction then if the proteins come through the gut into the abdomen, you know. So that and that just sets off a lot of allergies, right. and, and it takes a long time to settle it down. Um, right. Um, yeah, but I mean, there 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 is even a, um, a a vegan dog roll that a lot of the specialist vets use. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some cooked roll food which has specific proteins in. Yep. Um, but with a natural diet, we can manage that a bit better you know because we know what we're putting into it yeah um and we can show that dogs are allergic to it um yeah so it's just a sign of the times unfortunately mm. claire a lot of us treat our dogs like our kids you know we uh <laughs> we dress them up we we cook little meals for them you know it's 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 probably a bit different to what it was in 1979 where you know the typical dog was kind of in the backyard and not seen as much you know we take it out with us a lot more and things like that mm. but um yeah. I know a lot of people that cook for their pet, so they might take raw meat and put that with vegetables and and kind of cook it up. Is is that not suggest suggested? Would that would that protein and those vegetables be more beneficial for a dog or a cat if it was raw? Um, you knock off a few nutrients and amino acids when you cook meat. You know, so so it's ideal. Like the the best diet is raw, but. You know, some dogs, as you know, inflammatory bowel disease we were talking about, they can't, they're not competent enough to digest raw. So I will often put inflamed gut dogs on a cooked diet, and they're much better on cooked natural food than processed food. Mm. Um, you can do half and half. You know, you might find that, you know, your dog can handle, say, you know, one free range raw chicken wing to keep its teeth clean and for its calcium requirements, and you might want to cook the rest of the meat and veg or, yeah, so, you know, we can mix and match, certainly. I mean, they don't all have to be on raw, although the gold standard is raw. Yeah. Um, but I guess having said that, you know, like I'm not sort of bagging processed food in that. At least it's better than an unbalanced homemade diet. So, you know, like the absolute best diet you can feed is a balanced homemade diet appropriate to your animal and with safe bones that suit the, the animal. And um, But the very worst diet you can feed is an unbalanced homemade diet. You know, it's just like a lump of meat without the bone on fatty acids or anything in it, you know, which, and you'll end up with rickets like in the olden days. So, oh, yeah. it's sort of, you know, it's, it's sort of, yeah, you know, like it's good and bad and that's why you need to know what you're doing with it. For sure. Um, rather than just kind of ad hoc guess and check method with your little guy at home. Um, are, there, are there some vegetables that are real, you know, just power food for dogs that are just absolutely packed with nutrition, nutrition that you would really recommend for pets? I mean, with us, you should eat the rainbow, you know, so you eat lots of different colours because they've then got lots of different nutrients in. Um, but um, I'd always do green because that's detoxing and that's what animals would be eating in the rabbit gut contents. Um, and um, pumpkin is a good one. It's just fibre. There's not a lot of carbohydrate. Um, so... Yeah, cooked pumpkin and then leafy greens blended. You know, they're possibly probably the basic ones, you know, that provide heaps of nutrients. But mm. there's lots lots of veggies. You know, I mean, you can just chuck in a few extra ones when you 
steaming your own veggies and that goes in the dog bowl. You yeah. don't have to do a special dog meal. Um, yeah, you know, you can make yourself a smoothie and the dog gets a bit, you know, and then you don't have to do a special dog smoothie or you can put it in ice blocks and, you know, pop one out each morning, put the dog's food. Or, or as I say, just buy bar. You know, yeah. What about if you make your own juice, Claire? Can you, you know, when you pulp, you put put all your fruit through the, uh, a juicer. Can you give them the pulp that's left over from fruit? That's amazingly good dog food. Ah. You know, because again, it's like the rabbit gut contents. Right. So yeah, excellent. It's it's really stiff. Like if you put a bit of water in it to make it a better consistency. Yeah. You know, after it comes out of the juicer, but yeah, yeah, brilliant. You know, so it just goes in the dog instead of in the compost. So your compost yep. misses out if you feed well, your dog. Well, well, in this case, it's the worms. The worms, the, but well, they the worms. won't. They won't oh, mind sharing with my dog. I'm sure. Oh, good. <laughs> and on the topic of cooked bones, are cooked bones bad for dogs? Yes. So cooked ba- cooked bones are set and polymerized, and they can splinter and they don't digest easily. So that's one of the no nos. Right. Um, and also, you do have to be careful in general, even with raw bones, that they suit your dog. So I must admit, like, there aren't many species of dog or cat that would go killing a cow. No. You know, so <laughs> those, those, those big beef marrow bones, they sell in the supermarket. I mean, yep. they're the bones that vets end up taking out of dogs by surgery, you know, because they're, they're just not appropriate. For right. Cats. It wouldn't be the prey that they would be having in the wild. Yeah, yeah. So, and probably the best, safest um, bone you can buy for most breeds is a free-range raw chicken wing. Right. And what about for cats, the same? Um, a part a part of a chicken wing or okay. a part of a chicken neck. I'm a little bit careful with chicken necks because some animals will just gulp them whole and they can get stuck. Ah, oh, right. You know, but, but you just stand there and watch them. You know, if you stood there and watched them three times chewing a certain bone, you get a hang of what bone's right for them. And you can scarcely go wrong with a raw chicken wing. I, I can think of, like, three dogs that gulped a whole chicken wing whole but that's very unusual mm. and and also if you plunge it in their food and they eat it as part of their meal um, you know yes. they well, sensibly they don't just think oh there's a bone i'll gulp it you know so just yeah but so you've got to be aware of of bones that being appropriate for your animal and do you think dogs self-medicate when they eat a big pile of grass and then vomit it all up on your lounge room floor <laughs> is that yeah. is yeah, that so is that why they do it yeah, two things happening there. One is it is a really good way of get, getting rid of stuff that maybe you shouldn't have eaten, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes you vomit, so yeah. it's, a, it's a good emetic. Second thing is a lot of animals aren't fed enough just fresh green stuff, probably a lot of humans aren't either. You know, so so they'll go, the dog will go and eat grass thinking, oh, I need some green, but it's not really digestible, it's just fresh green blade of grass. Right. You know, because, again, it should be in a rabbit gut content. So yeah. if you can whiz it in your Nutribullet, you know, yeah. then... That's it, it's going to be able to digest it, and you might find the dog won't eat grass so much if you provide it with the blendy greens. Right, right. And well, we have we have um, questions from um, from our listeners who have have written in with some questions. Claire, are you up for that? Definitely. Okay, so um, we've got one from Tess here, who says, "I have an eleven-year-old Bichon." Can I safely feed him the meat I've used to make broth, which I also included onion? I usually throw it in the bin. Yeah, that's a good question because um, even though we're not supposed to feed dogs and cats onion, it 
like cooked onion isn't super poisonous you know so i mean if it, if it's just the meat that was cooked in the broth with onion that's fine um you don't want to cook a lot of you don't want to feed dogs a lot of raw onion you know i've, I've seen some dogs end up anemic within a day of being fed you know some leftover raw hamburger with the raw onion in that the people didn't eat at the barbecue the night before oh. you know they just fed the dog and that turned the dog anemic so um, so a lot of raw onion isn't good. Mm -hmm. It can cause onion poisoning. A little bit of cooked is fine. Yeah, so yes, in that case, I would feed the meat. Okay, got a question here from Annette who says, uh, is there a way to transition our 14-year-old cat from commercial food to homemade food? Our dogs are already on the home-cooked stuff, but the cat is much more stuck in her ways. That sounds like a cat, doesn't it? Thank you. Yes, and that, that is the eternal excellent question about cats because so, there's so many people bemused and confused by their cat's behaviour. Um, so there's, there's three answers that, that fit with that. So one is when cats are weaned onto food, they will think that whatever they're given food-wise as soon as they're weaned is cat food. That, and, and, I mean, the, the body does that because it doesn't want them going off eating poisonous or dangerous stuff. But... You know, for example, if you've had a rescue centre or a breeder has got dried food and they just fed the kitten dried food as soon as it was weaned from its mother's mill, then the cat just thinks that's what cat food is. And it's a bit hard to change that brain wiring. Um, so one way to do it is we get back to just chuck, chucking one thing on top of the processed food. You know, so if you know one thing the cat likes, you know, it might be that it'll eat the you know, spring water juice from a can of sardines. So, yeah, that's a good thing to put on. And you can add more and more of the sardine and then you're, you've got them eating a nice protein. Mm. Uh, or um, it might be when you cut the fat off some raw meat, you know, give it to the cat and it likes it. So, yeah, great, chuck, chuck that in to the dried food. And you just do that little bit by little bit. And after a bit of time, you'll find that they're eating more and more of the raw food and less of the dried food. But, I mean, having said that, a 14-year-old cat, if it's healthy and it's doing well, um, yeah, you don't want to upset the apple cart, so just do it slowly. Yeah, a bit at a time. That makes sense. We have another cat question. Uh, this is from Grimmy. My cat has arthritis. Is there a specific diet that will help her? She's seven years old. However, she broke her leg at six months after she fell off a roof. Any advice we will try? We're very open to trying new food. Sure. So the basic natural diet is great because it's got raw bone in it. So if you've got problems with your joints and bones, nothing like eating joints and bones to give all the building blocks, you know, to repair it. So, I mean, I do find animals with arthritis that are changed from a process to a natural diet can get a, a, a lessening of their arthritis symptoms in, in a month or two even. I might no, try so, it myself, Claire. Yeah, just get it back So and if you just go and get the, you know, the minced up bone and meat, you know, the bark or get your butcher to mince it up, and add that in. Um, there are also some herbs that are really good for arthritis. So, for example, you know, good old turmeric paste. So, turmeric and coconut yep. oil with a tiny pinch of black pepper. If you heat that up yeah. um, to activate the turmeric, that's had double-blind placebo trials with humans, you know, with arthritis of their knee. And it and it, it's as good as taking other proof in, but it takes about six to eight weeks to work, not an hour to work. Right. Like so, you, you heat know, so the turmeric up. Is that the turmeric root or powder? 
you can use powder or root. All right. So you use about equal quantities of turmeric and coconut oil and a tiny pinch of black pepper because that just activates it and makes it work better. Oh. You heat it up in a saucepan, then you can cool it down, put it in the container in the fridge. You can cook your veggies up with it. You know, so if you put yep. turmeric and coconut oil with veggies, then it's all in one um, if the animal eats veg. Um, and also just good old glucosamine and chondroitin, so green lip muscle, yep. you know, abalone powder type product can... Well, that's great because both my dog and I have got arthritis, so we'll be on the same diet, Claire. Yeah, good old turmeric. Yeah. <laughs> good for your liver and your brain as well. Yeah, that's right. There you go. My wife, my wife always puts turmeric into my dog Hank's food and I always kind of said, really? And there you go. She's right. I'm wrong. Who would have thought? Well, um, it's, it's better to um, – you need to activate it by heating it. Your yeah, she cooks it. Yeah. Wonderful. Good yeah. Uh, I'll never doubt her again. Um <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question from Christine. Uh, he says, is chicken a common allergen for dogs? Uh, she says that a lot of vets uh, seem to prescribe chicken for upset tummies and she's worried that that could just be adding to the problem. So, yeah, is that a problem that you see, that chicken being an allergy for a lot of dogs? Yes. So, you know, like I, as we said before, I mean, chick chicken and beef particularly have a lot of chemicals in of agriculture and they tend to, you know, create these allergies um, so there are a lot of animals that are fine with chicken, you know, so I would only do free range, not caged again, to try and get away from the chemicals. Um, but, um, and it, it's really interesting that a lot of vets with the animals and upset tummy will say give cooked chicken and rice, because that's actually Chinese food therapy. You know, it's very appropriate to use those like beige boring cooked foods because they're easy to digest. Um, so, you know, in the back of everyone's brains, I think we do know more about food you know, than we've learned. Um, so, um, it, the, but yeah, you can use turkey. Obviously, if they're allergic to chicken, you can do turkey and rice or, or even white, white fish and rice. And on the topic of rice, though, is, is I'm just thinking in terms of carbohydrates. How much carbohydrates do should dogs and cats eat? You No more than 5%. Okay. It actually says in veterinary physiology textbooks, um, don't feed dogs and cats more than 5% carbohydrate or it actually reduces hepatic gluconeogenesis which is the liver getting chemicals out of the body that it doesn't want oh. um, and a lot of those processed foods like dried foods are normally about 25 to 30 percent carbohydrate you know which doesn't really help no um, so that's one of the advantages um, of the raw diet over processed diets canned food isn't as high in carbohydrate you know right. so, so some canned foods are, are like better better processed food than the dried right um, it's more a bit more like cooked uh, food yeah mm -hmm. um but um yeah um so sorry what um <laughs> yeah no i was just i was just wondering about how much carbohydrate is is actually oh, yeah, in rice so, yeah, so, and yeah so rice um actually when you cook it it goes all um smooth and and sticky yeah. and that acts it's a bit like feeding slippery on bark powder so it actually coats the lining of the gut ah. um, and helps the digestion so you're using it in a therapeutic Right, uh, right, then. okay. So, and when when the dog gets better, yeah, I wouldn't routinely put rice in the food unless it particularly suits it. Right. Because you know, you're be adding empty um, calories. Right, right. So, so you're just using it therapeutically. Okay. And here's one for if anyone's owned a Labrador, they'll connect with this question, which is it's from um, that native guy. He says, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one and you're not. Um, he had organic uh, manure, dried manure. Wants to know if it's bad for my dog 
He said, I only apply it before rain to help wash it in, but sometimes it doesn't completely break down and he loves eating it. So I had a Labrador Claire that ate, I reckon, about half a bag of blood and bone. Um, One day they seemed to be attracted to it. They love to eat it. Yes, so let's talk about what dogs eat in the wild. They eat small prey, as we talked about. They eat um, herbivorous dung, half rotten on the jungle floor, and they eat um, dropped fruit and berries, half rotten on the jungle floor. So basically compost is is, is, is normal food for a dog. Right. Um, Bloody trash bags. You know, and that's why dogs eat all that stuff. It's actually good for them in theory, you know. So if they were in the jungle, you know, and they were getting beautiful microbes, you know, from the herbivorous dung and what have you, then great. But it, the problem is if you've got agricultural chemicals in the blood and bone or in the fertiliser. So if he's got a lovely certified organic fertiliser, yeah, no problems. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but if it's got horrible chemicals, then, then no, it's not so good. So is that why they'll bury bones, like raw bones, and then dig it up about five days later when it's really, really rank and smelly and disgusting um, and then want to lick you when they've finished <laughs> eating it? Is, yes. that, is that why they bury their bones? Yeah, two things. Like if you give a dog a bone that's too big for it, mm-hmm. it they'll go and bury it. And so, and if you give it a, a slightly smaller, softer bone, it'll eat it straight away because it's like, yeah, that's right for me. So that's another way you can choose what size bone is right for your dog. Oh. But also, I mean, as we all know, there's beautiful microbes in the soil yeah. and fungus. Yay, great stuff, you know, that s- sustains life, you know. Right. So if you bury your bone in it, then you're going to get all that good microbe. But I, I find that most dogs do bury bones that are too big for them. So right. it's just a size. Right. Bit. Yeah. right. Uh, just a last one here from Julie, um, which kind of touches on your journey a little bit um, from you starting out in your veterinary career. But uh, Julie asks, is any of this knowledge around raw feeding, raw meaty bones, real food uh, starting to, to get a mention in our veterinary medicine courses? Uh, Julie goes on to talk about some controversy with funding from big pet food industry and conflict of interest over the years. But she's saying, is it getting any better? A vet's starting to learn more about this uh, raw diet rather than just recommending things like kibble to our pets? So, yes, that happens. You know, I mean, at the, you know, the, wor- the world is a, a, a quite a lot, unfortunately, about large companies making money, you know, for food and pharmaceuticals, etc. And I guess as long as you know that and put it in perspective, then you can choose what's right for your own animal, you know, because that's just how the world yeah. is at the moment. And, and yes, I think... In a way, it's coming to a head, so it's getting a bit worse. Um, but as far as, you know, like I have great confidence that nature will win out because I've seen it happen so many times, you know. So, so I mean, I, I just think at the moment it's all, it, all the bad stuff's coming out and being aired, which is probably a very good thing. So it, it, it's not the best at the moment. You know, there's lots of nasty squabbles about it. Um, but, um, yeah, at least, you know, people are talking about it. And, I mean, you know, the, the pet food companies will say that, there are, um, you know, there are bacteria in raw food, but there are there, there's research to show that the bacteria in raw food, if they're a pregnant uh, mother dog, will actually mean that the offspring, the puppies, will less likely have allergic skin disease later, for example, you know, because they've got all the good bugs in their microbiome. Yeah. Um, so, yes, raw food has bugs in it. doesn't mean bugs are bad 
for us. Well, that's a big thing, isn't it? We now know that bacteria is actually extremely important, and particularly in young children, if they um, if there's mm-hmm. certain bacteria they don't get in their gut, then they end up with all sorts of problems later on. So yeah. it's sort of you know everything that you've talked about really is very it's it's almost identical with the with the human problem. It is, yeah. And salmonella, like there've been far more outbreaks of salmonella in in processed dried food than it ever ever has been. In raw food, mm. you know, That's so it's, yeah. So I mean, the, the the processed pet food companies are very very clever at advertising, and even one could say like brainwashing. I mean, I see really lovely, caring, intelligent vets. You know, don't, like their their brain just doesn't actually like think through the diet thing properly. Mm. You know, and it's really interesting. You don't know that. I mean, these pet food companies have got a lot of money to spend on advertising. And they just do it amazingly well, you know, to get people to buy their product. It's just a pity they're not so good at making pet food. Yeah. Yeah, healthy. <laughs> healthy pets. Yeah, well, yeah but, you know, like that's how the world is. But we just need to know that, you know, and act accordingly. Yeah, well, the information's out there, right? And your book certainly helps. Real Food for Dogs and Cats by Dr Claire Middle. Um, thanks so much for the chat and, uh, and helping us out with our best mates at home. A pleasure. Thanks for talking.